happy listeners. I'm Nicole. And I'm Wayne. Welcome to Ready to Read Storytime, where we explore short stories in Season 1, beginner chapter books in Season 2, and a kid's joke of the day in Season 3. We are adding new stories daily, so hit follow to keep exploring with us. everyone we are reading the magic school bus number 12 a science chapter book amazing magnetism chapter one i was running through the hallway to get to miss frizzle's classroom we were starting a new study unit and i couldn't wait to find out what it was but as i rounded the corner i ran straight into something i hit it with a thud and i fell backward ouch As I landed, I felt a button pop off my shirt, and I saw it roll away. I went to grab the button, but then I stopped. Sitting on the floor facing me was Andrew Cochran, my least favorite person. Now, I knew what actually who I ran into. I couldn't believe my bad luck. Andrew was Mr. O'Neatley's star pupil. Mr. O'Neatley was the other third-grade teacher, He and Miss Frizzle sometimes shared study units together. Last month, we had a spelling bee. I didn't like to think too much about it. Because of me, our class had lost. And because of Andrew, Mr. O'Neill's class had won. He had correctly spelled the word that I'd missed. Attraction. Watch where you're going, Andrew said as he stopped, started picking up his books. The one on top had a big picture of a horseshoe on it, and the title was All About Magnets. Sorry, I mumbled as I scrambled to my feet. I slung my backpack over my shoulder and started toward class. I didn't even stop to look for the missing button. Andrew liked to remind me of his spelling bee victory almost every day, and I wanted to get away before he had a chance to tell me again. I wasn't fast enough. We are going to beat you again, he called as I ran off. I wondered what he meant. I sure hoped we weren't having another spelling bee. When I got into the class, I saw that the geography signs from our last unit were still up. Over Miss Frizzle's desk was a big sign that read west. Over the windows was a sign that read north. And behind me, a sign that read east. Over the door, the sign read south. But I noticed that Miss Frizzle wasn't wearing her map dress anymore. Her new dress was covered with the same horseshoe shapes as Andrew's book. Good morning, class, she sang out. Today... We are going to start a most attractive unit. Oh no, that reminded me of that word attraction again. Miss Frizzle held up a large horseshoe magnet. It wasn't hard to guess that our new unit was going to be about magnetism. Then we noticed that on everyone's desk was a little box with stuff in it. A bumpy rock, a rubber band, a plastic checker piece, some paper clips, a piece of paper, a nail, and a penny, and a black rectangular bar magnet. This will be easy, Carlos, Wanda would. All we'll do is pick up things with magnets. Yeah, I whispered back, nothing to it. We should have known better. When was anything straightforward in Miss Frizzle's class? I looked around the room. Some of the other kids had chains of paper clips hanging from their magnets. Others were trying to pick up stuff like paper and rubber bands, but it wasn't working, of course. Anyone knows magnets only pick up metal things. 
class, said Miss Frizzle with a big smile. Mr. O'Neatley and I thought the best way to learn about magnets would be to have a little contest. Everyone groaned. Mr. O'Neatley's class always beat us. Our class lost the spelling bee, the kickball tournament, the pumpkin pie baking contest, and the summer readathon. No wonder Andrew was slug. Don't worry, kids, said the Frizz. If there's one thing our class can do well, it's science. And this is our science scavenger hunt. It's our turn to show our science stuff. Yeah, we'll leave him behind this time, I said, thinking of beating Andrew. Take out that piece of paper in your box, Miss Frizzle said, and we can begin the science scavenger hunt. On the paper was a list of riddles. They must be a scavenger hunt clues, I thought. Whichever class fills out the list first wins a pizza party. The winner is the class that brings the completed list to the science lab first, said the Frizz. She didn't have to say another word. We all had our list out and were busily reading. I read the first riddle. Scavenger hunt question one. A magnet picks me up. A magnet holds me high. I am not paper, wood, or rubber. I am not plastic. What am I? What's this supposed to mean? Phoebe asked. It's asking what's attracted to magnets, said Tim. That's easy. It's metal. Oh, yeah, said Ralphie. What about the penny? It's metal. And look, the magnet can't pick it up at all. He held his penny next to the magnet, let go, and the penny clinked to the floor. Hmm, I said, feeling stumped. I worried that Andrew had found the answer to the riddle already. Then we noticed Dorothy Ann flipping through the pages of a book. It was the same as Andrew's, all about magnets. D.A. always seemed to have a book, and she usually knew a lot about our new science units before everyone else. Here's the answer, she said, reading from the book. Magnets attract only a certain kind of metal. Okay, little section from the book. It says, from all about magnets, magnet metals. Magnets are only attracted to metals. Metals that contain iron and steel attract magnets well. Metals like brass, copper, zinc, and aluminum are not attracted to magnets. So magnets don't attract copper, Tim said. That's why the penny didn't stick. Yes, said D.A., still reading from the book. Pennies are made of copper-coated zinc. I'll write down the answers as we find them, I said. I wanted to make sure the answers were written down correctly. This was one race we weren't going to lose to Mr. O'Neatley's class, if I had anything to do with it. I whisked out my pen and wrote, Metals that contain iron and steel stick to magnets. That was the answer to number one. Only nine more to go. I could already taste the pizza. Chapter 2 Arnold was playing with the contents of his box. Just as I finished writing the answer, he said, Hey, my paper clips are sticking to this bumpy old rock. I quickly took the paper clip on my desk and held it against the rock. It stuck. What's going on, Miss Frizzle? I asked. Well, you know that iron and steel stick to magnets. So what does that tell you about the rock? Asked Miss Frizzle. It's a magnet, said Wanda. It doesn't look like one, but it acts like one, said Keisha. That's right. And when we do scientific experiments, we have to trust our observations, said the Frizz. So these old rocks are magnets, asked Tim. What does your book say, D.A.? D.A. found a picture of one of our rocks in the book. Magnetite is a natural magnet. People first found out about magnetism when they discovered the magnetic power of these rocks. And look at the second question of the scavenger hunt, I said. Scavenger hunt. Question two. We look the same as rocks. But we don't act the same. 
We are natural magnets. Can you guess our name? As I finished reading, Phoebe said, Magnetic rocks, the rocks on our table. Yeah, said Tim, so the answer into the riddle is magnetite. I carefully picked up the scavenger hunt list and wrote down magnetite is a rock that is a natural magnet. History of Magnets by Wanda. The first people to discover magnetic rocks were the Chinese. They called it the loving stone because the stones love metal the way parents love children. At first, the Chinese used the stones to perform fortune telling and magic tricks. Later, they used the loving stones to invent the compass hundreds of years before the Europeans. I carefully folded the scavenger list and put it in my pocket. I had a good feeling about this. We already had two answers. We might even beat Mr. O'Neatley and Andrew this time. Chapter 3. It's time to get serious. Follow me to the science lab, said the frizz. Mr. O'Neatley and I have set up some experiments to help us find the answers. Bring your magnetic kits with you. Then Miss Frizzle picked up a fancy remote control box with a picture of the magic school bus on it. Gave it a little pat and put it in a bag and slung it over her shoulder. We looked at one another. What was our teacher doing with a remote control? The frizz always had a plan. We passed Mr. O'Neatley's class on the way to the lab. His classroom was right next to ours. Now we pretended not to look. But I know I wasn't the only one who took a peek. Mr. O'Neatley's students were still hanging paper clips from magnets. We were ahead. We went around two corners to the lab. Miss Frizzle told us to get a partner and go to a table. Arnold and I headed for a table set up with large bar magnet and some needles. Miss Frizzle rummaged in her bag for something. Now where are those iron fillings? I thought I'd put them in there. She unloaded a few things from her bag, including a fancy remote control with the picture of the magic school bus on it. Then she shook her head and looked around the room. What do they look like? I asked, looking around the lab. Iron fillings are small pieces of iron, like tiny pins. They are perfect for experiments. Ah, here's a brand new box of iron fillings. She picked up a box off the center table, opened it, and shook out a bunch of small metal pieces. Each of us took a small handful and put them on our tables. First of all, stroke the needle from your kits with the magnet and see what happens, said the frizz. I could see Wanda at the next table. She stroked the needle against the magnet and put it down on the table. As soon as she sat down, all the iron fillings near the needle flew toward it and stuck. The needle turned into a magnet, I said. Carlos, ours isn't working, said Arnold. The frizz came over and looked. You have to stroke it in only one direction, Arnold, said frizz. Miss Frizzle stroked our needle against the large magnet. You see, anything with iron in it can be magnetized. She picked up several iron fillings with our needle and handed it to us. Then it becomes a temporary magnet. Wow, I said, that's so cool. I took the magnetized needle and used it to pin my shirt together where the button had popped off. That's another way to use a magnet to stick things together, I whispered to Arnold. My mind had started to wander, but Arnold poked me and said, Wake up, Carlos. We have to know this stuff to win the contest. He was right. I did not want to miss the next question. Not when we were in the lead. I read the next question. Scavenger hunt, question three. Not all magnets start on the ground. Not all magnets have to be found. When you do this very easy chore, you can use one magnet to make many more. What's the chore, kids? asked Miss Frizzle. It's what we did to make the needles into magnets, said Keisha. Right, I said, and I know what to write. I carefully took out the scavenger list and wrote 
If you stroke a needle with a magnet in one direction, the needle will become a magnet. But that wasn't enough for DA. She had to know more. What's happening inside the needle, she asked. Why does it attract the iron fillings? They got Miss Frizzle started. Did I say this magnet stuff was going to be easy? Well, I was wrong. Let's find out, beamed the frizz. As I always say, to understand an iron filling, you have to become an iron filling. Arnold moaned. Can't D.A. just read to us from her book some more, he asked in a small voice. I noticed that Arnold's voice was getting smaller and smaller as he spoke, and I felt myself shrinking. Whoa, I said. I looked down at myself and at the others, and we were all iron fillings. We were super small. Even the frizz was tiny. We still had our heads and arms and legs, but our bodies were made of metal. Now, Liz will walk around with a magnet, and you can see what it feels like to be attractive. At that moment, Liz, who was still her normal size, dropped the large magnet she was carrying and scampered under the center of the table. What's wrong, Liz? said Miss Frizzle. But then she stopped. We all heard it. At the same time, footsteps and voices. It was Mr. O'Neatley and his class. As they came through the door, I groaned. Andrew was right behind Mr. O'Neatley. They all looked enormous from the point of view of an iron feeling. Don't worry, class, said the frizz. She was holding the fancy remote control. I'm calling the magic school bus here to rescue us. Then she pushed a button with a picture of the bus on it. It'll be here in a jiffy. We could hear Mr. O'Neatley's voice booming above us. Yes, Andrew, part of a good science is preparing your materials in advance, Mr. O'Neatley was saying. He stopped walking. Look at the state of this place. What happened, he said indignantly. All of our magnetic kicks were still spread all over the tables. I can't bear a messy lab. It was perfectly clean this morning, and I left a box of brand new iron fillings right here on the table. Mr. O'Neatley stopped and looked at the empty table where Miss Frizz had unloaded her bag. Oops, I could pretty much guess what happened. Miss Frizzle had taken Mr. O'Neatley's box of fillings. Now where could they have gone? Mr. O'Neatley stomped around the table, peering underneath it. His footsteps shook the floor and made us vibrate. We huddled together on the floor. Mr. O'Neatley, there's some iron fillings on the floor, said Andrew eagerly, pointing down at us. Andrew leaned toward us. At that moment, I saw a miniature magic school bus pop out of the vent in a wall behind Andrew. It was moving fast. Hurry up, hurry up, I said to myself. The bus was speeding toward us, but it had to cross the whole lab. Very well, said Mr. O'Neatley. Someone must have spilled them. The bus was almost in front of us when Mr. O'Neatley kneeled down. The magic school bus ran up against Mr. O'Neatley's shoe, just as he swept us into his hand. Whoa, I yelled as his giant hand closed around us. Hey, look at this, said Andrew, pointing to the magic school bus. Mr. O'Neatley sighed. Leaving toys on the floor is a terrible habit. I dislike having to clean up after a certain other class all the time. He leaned back down and, with his other hand, scooped up the magic school bus. All of you can take a seat and stroke your needles with the magnet, as I explained. The class of giants moved to our magnetic kits. Be sure to stroke in one direction, he called out. With a sinking heart, I realized they were catching up to us while we were stuck in Mr. O'Neatley's hand. But then things got worse. You see, class, he said, anything with iron or steel in it can be magnetized, like this toy. Notice that I am stroking it with a magnet. Now it's a magnet too, and it will stick to the refrigerator. I couldn't believe Mr. O'Neatley turned our escape vehicle into a refrigerator magnet. Being around Mr. O'Neatley's class was always bad luck, and I could tell Andrew was working hard to win the scavenger hunt. But Mr. O'Neatley said, Andrew, why does it become a magnet? 
That's just what I wanted to know, whispered Dorothy Ann. Why don't you consult the book, Andrew, said Mr. O'Neatley. He looked pleased that Andrew had asked such an intelligent question. Andrew flipped through the All About Magnets and found the right page. From All About Magnets, what's inside a magnet? A piece of iron or steel contains atoms. Each atom has electrons dancing around the center. The way the electrons dance is the atom's domain. And the magnets, the domains all point in the same direction. And things that aren't magnets, the domains point in different directions. So class, Mr. Order said, when the needle is stroked with the magnet, the magnet's force makes its domain line up. Then the needle is a magnet too. I couldn't follow Mr. O'Neatley at all. Our chances for the scavenger hunt weren't looking good. Chapter four. From the inside of Mr. O'Neatley's hand, we heard his muffled voice. Okay, class, Mr. O'Neatley said as he dumped us on a table. Now that you've all magnetized your needles, Andrew's going to help me demonstrate what the shape of a magnetic field looks like. Gather round. Mr. O'Neatley's class gathered around in a circle. They looked awfully big and scary staring down at us. Class, watch carefully as Andrew spreads his iron fillings out on a piece of paper. By noticing where the iron fillings go, you will see where the magnet creates a magnetic field. Said Mr. O'Neatley. He poured us into Andrew's outstretched hands. Be careful not to touch any of the iron fillings to the magnet, said Mr. O'Neatley. Those fillings are so small, you might never get them off. Now I was really worried. We were at Andrew's mercy. Magnetic Field Trip by Mr. O'Neatley. The field of force around a magnet is called a magnetic field. An object within this area will be pulled toward the magnet. The field is the strongest at the ends of the magnet and the weakest in the middle. You can see the shape of a magnet field by placing iron fillings in a piece of paper over a magnet. The iron fillings will be drawn to the magnet in the shape of a magnetic field. Andrew tossed us onto a piece of paper and then held a bar magnet underneath us. Whoa, we yelled as we suddenly got pushed and pulled around. I tried to stay where I was because I wanted to keep Mr. Neatley's class from getting the answer, but the pull was irresistible. It felt like something was pulling me by my head and my feet at the same time. And it wasn't just that. I was moving. My insides seemed to be turning around. It was worse than the wildest roller coaster I've ever been on. Oh, groaned Arnold, why is my stomach swirling around? Your domains are lining up with the magnetic field, said Miss Frizzle from the other side of the magnet. My what, said Arnold? Your domains, the parts of your iron-filling body that make you a magnet. In most things, the domain face all the different directions. But the domains in iron and steel are different. When iron and steel are exposed to a magnet, the magnet pulls forces the domains to all line up in the same way, said the frizz in her science class voice. That's how magnets attract metals. Great, said Arnold. But it still makes me nauseous. I feel like my insides are twisting. That's exactly what's happening, said the frizz with great excitement. Everyone who was complaining about it, how it felt when the domains were lining up. Ralphie said it was worse than a broken leg. Keisha said it just tickled. Then I overheard what Mr. O'Neatley was saying to his class. It was obvious that they were quickly catching up, and that made me feel sick all over again. My body already turned into iron, 
Then it was practically turned inside out as my domains were lined up. What else would we have to do to win the scavenger hunt? I was exhausted, but DA still had plenty of questions. But how do we know the electrons are lined up? asked DA. Well, scientists can't see electrons, even with the most powerful microscope, said the frizz. But if I push this button, she said as she moved her thumb, we can see the electrons. She looked down at our bodies. Rows with blue lights were blinking on and off. What's that? I asked. I lit up all the electrons in the room, said the frizz. I looked around. There were blinking blue lights everywhere. But the lights were only in straight rows inside us and inside the magnet. Your electrons are lined up and pulling together. If you look around, you will see that all the magnetic materials in the room, the electrons are just scattered. Cool. Now, can we answer number four, said Ralphie, who was holding his scavenger list out with his free hand. Scavenger hunt question four. When a magnet is in close range, the inside of some of the metals will change. The domains will turn to point the same way. And while the magnet is closed, that's how they will stay. As soon as I can get my writing hand free of this magnetic field, I'll write it down, I said. My left hand was at the very edge of the field, and I pulled it away with all my strength and wrote, When iron and steel is exposed to the magnetic field of a magnet, its domains lined up. Mr. O'Neatley was pointing at us. Now you can see what a magnetic field looks like. The iron fillings create a swirl pattern that shows us the magnet's pool. There are more fillings next to the ends of the magnet, the fewer in the middle. That's because the pool is strongest next to the ends, or poles of the magnet, and weaker in the middle. The field makes a circle around the bar magnet. I could see all of Mr. Neatley's kids writing down what he said. Any questions? No, sir, said the class in unison. Next, we'll learn why magnets attract metal, said Mr. O'Neatley. Great, we had already learned that. But as long as we were iron fillings, we'd be helping Mr. O'Neatley's students learn more about magnets. We had to escape. Chapter 5 Okay, class, said Mr. O'Neatley. Now we're going to watch a videotape that will explain about magnetic domains. I wish we could have just learned about domains from a videotape, I whispered to Arnold. So does my stomach, Arnold whispered. His face was still green, but I was glad that I knew about order domains, but I was tired of being an iron filling. At that moment, I saw Liz, who was still her normal size. She was crawling cautiously to the front of the classroom. She was carrying a big horseshoe magnet. If Liz can just crawl to the front of the class, said the frizz, maybe she can attract us with her magnet, and then she can run off with us. Her magnet is bigger than the one under this paper and should be much stronger, the frizz explained. Let's watch for an opportunity. At that moment, the lights went out and Andrew moved the cardboard away from his bar magnet. Then he set us down on a desk, far from the magnet. We were free of its force. Now, class, join hands and make chains since it's dark. I want to be ready when Liz comes. We need to make sure we all go together, said Miss Frizzle. I reached out and tried to grab Arnold's hand and he reached over for mine, but all of a sudden our iron-filling bodies moved apart in an irresistible force. What? I yelled. It must be more magnetism. Well, where was it coming from? We were far from Andrew's magnet. I looked around at the rest of the class. Everyone was flying away from his or her partner except for D.A. and Phoebe. D.A. was reaching toward Phoebe's feet, and they flew together. Watch D.A. and Phoebe, said the frizz. That's the way to do it. 
You have to line up with your opposite ends facing, D.A. called. At that moment, Tim grabbed D.A.'s feet. Arnold and I rotated ourselves, then our iron fillings feet came close together. We flew apart again. Now half the class was stuck together and the other half were still apart. Ralphie had a hold of Keisha's feet next to us. You have to grab his feet with your arms so the opposite poles come together, said Ralphie. That's right, class. Remember that you have two poles. Your hands are the north pole and your feet are the south pole, said Miss Frizzle. I stayed where I was. <clears throat> Arnold scooted down so his head was close to my feet. Before he was completely in line, we flew together in that same magnetical force. Magnetism. Everyone was now lining up into one long chain, head to feet. I reached for Ralphie's sneakers, and whoosh, we were stuck together. Good job, class. You discovered that magnets must attract by opposite poles, said the frizz. Because we are magnetized, we now have north and south poles. Opposites attract by Tim. Every magnet has a north pole and a south pole. If you put two magnets together, both their north poles facing each other, they will repel each other. And if both their south poles are facing, they will repel each other. Only opposite poles will attract each other, north to south. Hey, I said, looking at my scavenger hunt list, I think we know to the answer to number five. Scavenger hunt question five. Where in each magnet, here is your big clue. One is north, one is south. Together we are two. What are we? Magnets have north and south poles, said Tim. They certainly do, said Miss Frizzle. And that's our answer, he, I said. Magnets have two poles, north on one end and south on the other. I made a note of the answer in my mind since I couldn't write it down yet. I couldn't pull my hands from Alfie's feet. Then I looked up and I could see Liz approaching through the darkened classroom. Now all she had to do was grab us with her horseshoe magnet and take us away. Then I, we could get busy winning the scavenger hunt. We were ahead. We were done with our question on polls, for Mr. O'Neatley's class still hadn't even read that one yet. But at that moment, Mr. O'Neatley turned the lights back on. We froze in our places. Liz scooted under Andrew's chair. Class, the video will have to wait. We have a visitor. To my horror, Mr. O'Neatley was looking at us again. Then he came over to the desk and started brushing our chain iron fillings into his hand. We've been so close to escaping. Then, to my surprise, he threw us in the floor. How disorderly. I thought he didn't like things on the floor. I invited Mr. Broom, our head of maintenance, to do a demonstration. Mr. O'Neatley sounded pleased that Mr. Broom was on time. He liked things to happen right on schedule. Footsteps were coming toward us. They stopped in front of us. I looked up at the giant legs, and there was Mr. Broom, and in his hand was a vacuum cleaner. Mr. Broom will demonstrate a common household appliance that we will look at diagrams and show that how magnets are part of this appliance. Mrs. Frizzleclass was also been given the same set of diagrams, but I asked Mr. Broom to be sure to come here first, Mr. O'Neatley boomed above his. He winked at his class and Andrew smirked. This does not look good, said Arnold. I had to agree with him. So Mr. O'Neatley asked Mr. Broom to come here first. This was supposed to be a friendly contest, said the Frizz. She had a funny look in her eyes. Class, it's time to get serious. Mr. Broom leaned over and pushed the switch on the vacuum cleaner. There's nothing like a clean sweep, shouted the frizz. This was the last thing I heard before the roar of the vacuum cleaner blotted out all the sound. Our entire class of iron fillings was sucked into the black mouth of the sweeper.
Chapter 6. Everybody here? Miss Frizzle Voice called out in the darkness. She did a roll call and everybody answered, Achoo! 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 We were in the dirt bag of the sweeper and it was dusty in there. I felt for Arnold, but we were no longer attached. The force of the sweeper must have jumbled up our domains and we weren't magnetic anymore. We'll never win now, shouted Arnold above the roar of the vacuum. Why a Temporary Magnet is Temporary by Ralphie When a piece of iron is exposed to a magnet, its domains line up in the same direction. If a paperclip is turned into a temporary magnet, its domains have been lined up. If you bump a paperclip or a needle against the table, it rejumbles the domains. Then the paperclip is no longer a magnet. Heating up a temporary magnet will also jumble its domains, so it loses its magnetic pull. You never know, came the Frizz's voice from somewhere in the dark. Miss Frizzle's right. We may make a sweeping discovery, I said. Carlos, groaned the class, as usual. We need the remote, said Miss Frizzle. Has anyone seen my bag? We hadn't seen anything since we'd been in the vacuum cleaner. It was too dark, but I felt something lumpy under me. At first I thought it was Arnold, but it was the bag. I found it, I yelled. Good work, Carlos, said the Frizz. Can you reach in and turn on the remote? My hand located the remote, and I flicked the switch. The whole place filled with light. Thank goodness, I said, feeling relieved as I saw everyone's dusty faces. Miss Frizzle cleared her throat. <clears> throat. I had a feeling she was getting ready to ask a teacherly question, and I was right. Who knows what Mr. O'Meatley's meant about the sweeper being run with magnets, she asked. No one knew the answer. Well, then we just have to take a look, said our teacher. Follow me. We ran after Miss Frizzle. Wherever she was going had to be better than this dusty place. The sound of the motor got louder and louder. Miss Frizzle slipped into a crevice and we were right behind her. We were inside the sweeper's motor. Something in the middle was spinning around so fast we couldn't see anything but a blur. We flattened ourselves against the walls. We didn't want to get caught up in that whirling thing. I looked down at the remote and saw a button marked slow. Without thinking, I pushed it. Gradually, whirling crawled to a slow pace. The whirring sound got a lot quieter, and we could see the motor's parts. We even thought we saw magnets. It's all wrapped up by Keisha. If you wrap up a coil of wire, an iron bar, and then send energy through the wire, the iron bar becomes a powerful magnet called an electromagnet. Sure enough, there were two electromagnets in the motor. One was attached to a part that did not move. The other was attached to a part in the middle that was spinning slowly around. Here's a portion from the book all about magnets, moving and non-moving parts. A simple motor basically has two parts and one does not move. This is called the stator. The other spins or rotates. This is called the rotor. Remember how the poles of magnets attract and repel each other? Asked Miss Frizzle. Yes, north poles push other north poles away from themselves, but they pull south poles toward themselves, said Wanda. Magnets can make each other move, said Phoebe. Is that how magnetism makes the rotor turn? Asked Tim. That must be how it works, Tim, said D.A., reading the book. It says here that the north pole of the, the Sator magnet pushes away 
the north pole of the rotor magnet, and then it pulls the rotor south pole toward itself. That starts the rotor going around and around, said Ralphie. But wouldn't the rotor just stop once the opposite poles were facing each other, asked Keisha. That's what alternating current is for, said the frizz. It keeps the rotor running. So that's the answer to number six, shouted Wanda. Scavenger hunt question six. These magnets work with electric power. You can turn them off and on. They make a motor run for hours, but with no electricity, their power is gone. Here's another portion from All About Magnets, Changing Directions. The electric current in the wires of our house is called alternating current, or AC for short. This means that it changes directions many times each second. Every time the current changes, it changes the poles of the electromagnets. The north pole becomes the south, and the south pole becomes the north. The changes keep the rotor running. Just when the rotor has stopped with its south pole stuck to the, the Sator's north pole, the poles change. Now the Sator's north is south, so that it pushes the rotor's south pole away again. The change to the stator's poles keep the rotor going around and around. It's obvious, I said, and I wrote, the kind of magnet that uses electric current and creates motors is an electromagnet. For a while, we watched the rotor turning. It looked pretty cool spinning like that. Then I wondered about something. But how does the spinning rotor make th a sweeper pick up dirt? I asked Miss Frizzle. Let's go see, she said, and she took off again. We jumped up and followed. The rotor was attached to a metal bar called a shaft. The shaft ran on the outside of the motor. It was attached to the fan. See the turning of the rotor makes the blades of the fan turn, said Miss Frizzle. I get it, said Arnold. The fan pulls the air into the vacuum bag. We could feel a gentle breeze blowing into the sweeper. And when the air comes in, the dirt and dust come in with it, said Wanda. Motes of dust danced around in the breeze. Miss Frizzle reached over and took the remote. She pushed the button that said fast. Uh-oh, we heard the roar of the motor again. And the gentle breeze became a hurricane. We were swept into the dirt bag again. Ah-choo! Then, just as suddenly, we heard a click. The roar stopped and the wind died. Mr. Broom must have turned off the vacuum cleaner. Whoa, yelled everyone as we were suddenly lifted up. We slid backward and poured out of the opening. Mr. Broom was emptying the dirt bag. Help, yelled Tim. A strong force was pulling us. I tried to stop, but I couldn't. The force wasn't magnetism. It was suction. It was plain old gravity. We were falling. Chapter 7 With a soft thump, our fall ended. I could smell leftovers from yesterday's lunch. Stay calm, class, the frizz called. We've hit b bottom. Yes, the bottom of the trash can, I called out. Carlos, is that you? Do you still have the remote? Asked Miss Frizzle. Got it, I called back. Now press the button with the picture of a little person on it. I looked at the remote. There were all sorts of interesting buttons with interesting pictures. But I figured now was not the time to experiment. I found the button with the picture of a person and pressed it. I looked down and my arms and legs were attached to my normal body again. I looked around and could see Keisha and Wanda standing up and brushing themselves off. Then I saw the frizz and the rest of the class. They were back to their own shapes, but we were still miniature. We ran toward one another and Miss Frizzle took her satchel off her soldier. 
No more Iron Man for me, I said. First order of business is to get out of this trash chute before Mr. Broom empties it into the dumpster. Quick, put these on. The frizz was taking some half boots out of her bag. They were toes only, with a bar magnet attached to the front. The individual boots buckled right over the front of our shoes. They weren't that heavy. Then Miss Frizz took out some gloves with the same metal bar attached to the front. We all began putting on the boots and gloves. These are grippers, said the Frizz. The bottoms are equipped with strong magnets. I had my boots on. I tried to lift my foot and nearly fell over. It was sticking to the metal bottom of the chute. You need to peel your foot off slowly and sideways, said the Frizz. That's when I noticed that the sides of the grippers were curved. I could roll the gripper off the metal to break its hold. How are these boots and gloves going to help us? asked Tim. All right, here's a paper by Arnold. Gripping technology. Grippers allow workers to scale offshore oil rigs, bridges, towers, and steel girders and construction sites. Each gripper weighs only one and a half pounds, but provides 500 pounds of attractive force or more to a steel surface. The curved sides help you rock the gripper away from the wall to move it. Just watch and learn, said the frizz. With a clang, she reached the edge of the floor, put one foot up on the metal wall, and began walking straight up the steep slope. We were just getting used to the walking in the grippers when we heard an awful grating sound. The top of the trash chute opened up, and more garbage began tumbling down the chute. He's emptying the garbage, screamed Phoebe. Run before we get buried. We all began shakingly moving across the floor. We were waving our arms in crazy circles to keep our balance. One by one, we made it to the wall of the chute and started walking straight up. It was hard work. It was such hard work that about halfway up, we reached the little ledge and the frizz called a halt. I leaned against the wall and took out the scavenger hunt list. Hey, I said, I think I see another answer. Scavenger hunt question seven. Magnets can run motors, but you know that is not all. With these special boots and gloves, they help workers climb the wall. I wrote down, workers climb steel walls wearing industrial grippers. Only three more questions to go. I was so excited. I felt my energy coming back. Let's keep going, guys, I said. We don't want to throw this opportunity away with the garbage. We began climbing up the rest of the trash chute. Phoebe was the last person out. We sat on the floor and took off our boots and handed them to the frizz. She somehow crammed them all in her back. My legs and arms felt like I had been playing kickball all day. We were all lying on the ground, rubbing our legs and arms, too. We don't want to sit here collecting dust, said the frizz. Up, class, we've got to win the race. We painfully got to our feet. You see them climbing the wall? Mm-hmm. Chapter 8. We looked to the right. We looked to the left. We were so small, we could only see the endless walls. Does anyone remember where the trash chute is in relation to our classroom? Asked the Frizz. We all looked blank. You're saying we're lost, Miss Frizzle, said Ralphie. Well, let's just say it would help if we knew if our classroom was north side of the school building or the south side, Miss Frizzle replied. We were all silent. Then we may be lost, said the Frizz. We started to panic, and when I thought of something, hey, Remember the signs on the walls from our room? The ones left over from our geography unit? They said north, south, east, and west. That's right, Carlos, said Dorothy Ann. The one over Miss Frizzle's desk was west, and the windows were north. 
said Tim. Since our room is at the end of the hall, our room must be in the northwest part of the school, said Arnold. He looked really excited. Good calculus class, said the frizz. But we don't have a compass, I pointed out. Arnold's smile went away again. I know, said D.A., we can build our own compass. Miss Frizzle had a cup and a cork, but no magnetized needle. We needed all three to make a compass. Something was pricking the back of my mind. Suddenly, I remembered. I've got one, I shouted. I pinned my shirt closed with my magnetized needle. I carefully pulled out of the buttonhole. I knew if I shook it, the domains might resettle and magnetism would be gone. Good work, Carlos, said Miss Frizzle. I always said you were a sharp one. I filled the cup with water, said Keisha. She ran to the drinking fountain. There was luckily a leak coming out of the bottom. Keisha filled the cup and ran back. Miss Frizzle handed Keisha the cork and the needle. Keisha floated the flat disc of the cork on the top of the water. Then she carefully set my needle on the cork. It spun around a little and then finally pointed down the hall. Aha, said the frizz. The needle will always point north-south because it follows the line of the Earth's magnetic field. Well, said Ralphie, magnets really are everywhere. Even Earth is a magnet. That's exactly right, said the frizz. Now we know our class is on the north side of the building, and I know that the trash chute is on the south side. The base of the needle is pointing at the trash chute, so the tip must be pointing north. Follow that needle. And now we have the answer to number eight, said Phoebe. A paper by Carlos. The magnetic planet Earth. It's no coincidence that Earth has two poles, just like a magnet. The molten iron in the center of the Earth gives the planet its own magnetic field. A compass needle will line up with the Earth's field and point to the north. The magnetic poles are not exactly the same as the geographic poles you see on a globe, but they are close. Here's question eight. When you are lost, you look at me. On my face, there is a S, W, N, and E. Only with magnetism will I point the right way. If you trust me, I won't lead you astray. It's what we just built, said Tim. A compass, of course, I said. I wrote, a compass uses a magnet to show which way is north. Here's a paper by Phoebe. Animal magnetism. People have always wondered how birds and sea animals know which way to migrate in the winter. Sometimes animals travel thousands of miles and they always know exactly where to go. Scientists think they may feel the Earth's magnetic field. Tiny pieces of magnetite have been found in certain creatures such as bees and butterflies. These animals may be living compasses. Chapter 9 Hey, before we take off for the other side of the building, we should read the next riddle I said to the rest of the class. Scavenger Hunt Question 9 Deep inside a VCR and TV, there are many magnets to be found. How do magnets play a part in recording tapes of sight and sound? Tapes of sight and sound, Wanda asked, like movies? You're probably right, Wanda, Tim said. Let's think about it while we were in the move. We took off thinking about how magnets might record tapes. It was a really tough question. As we ran down the hall, we came to an intersection. The needle showed us we needed to keep going straight. As we ran down the hall, we could see the door to Mr. O'Neatley's class ahead. By the time we got there, we were, pa we were panting. 
We stood in the doorway and looked inside. At the front of the classroom, a videotape was playing. Hey, our scavenger riddle, D.A. exclaimed. Put on those magnetic detecting glasses and tell me what you see, said the frizz. She was handing out sets of dark glasses. I put mine on and looked inside. Mr. O'Neatley's classroom. On all the desks were bright green shapes. The bright green things must be magnets, I exclaimed. I'll give you a green light for that, said the frizz. Look at the video, said Wanda. The entire TV set was covered in bright green. The television set and the VCR had bunches of green blobs in them, too. Stacked on top of the VCR were several videotapes, and they were green as well. Wow, said Ralphie. Are all those magnets? Yes. Magnets are used to power the speakers and the motors, and they also create the pictures on the screen, explained the frizz. So are TV sets magnetic, asked T.A.? Televisions contain about two pounds of magnets, which makes them rather attractive, joked the frizz. But what about the tapes? What is the answer to the riddle, I asked. Miss Frizzle continued. All the sound and pictures are stored in billions of tiny magnets that are stuck to the tape. That's great, I said. I wrote, videotape is magnetic. The picture and sound are stored on magnets in the tape. The video on Mr. O'Neatley's room was explaining compasses. Great, Wanda whispered. They must still be behind us. We're almost done. Okay, then, said the frizz. We need to answer the last question and get back to the science lab, or Mr. O'Neatley's class will win. What a repelling idea, I said. The thought of Mr. O'Neatley's class winning again made us all nervous. At that moment, we heard something dreadful. Okay, class, said Mr. O'Neatley. We've answered all the questions we can. Let's proceed in an orderly fashion to the science lab. We flattened ourselves back against the hallway walls. As we heard the sound of chairs being pushed back and giant steps approaching the door, we were still so small. How would we ever catch up? Chapter 10 As soon as Mr. O'Neatley's class had filed out the door, the frizz said, Carlos, do you have the list? I've waved it in the air, and the frizz pointed toward the science lab and said, Then let's go. The last question is at the science lab. We started down the hall, and as we ran, we felt ourselves getting bigger. As soon as we reached our full size, we rounded the corner and caught up with Mr. O'Neatley's class. Wait a minute, Mr. O'Neatley called out. Remember, no running in the halls. He didn't look happy to see us. I stopped running and started walking as fast as I could. Someone was keeping pace with me. It was Andrew. His mouth was shut tight and his eyebrows were pulled down over his eyes. We rounded the other corner. Andrew and I were in front of the crowd, still neck and neck. Nobody was saying a word, and I could hear Andrew start to breathe hard. Then I saw the science lab. Faster, faster, I thought. We were so close to finally beating Mr. O'Neatley's class. Andrew and I came to a stop in front of the science lab door. It was closed, but my hand was the first on the knob. I turned it. It was locked. I rattled the knob, but it did no good. Here, let me, said Andrew, pushing my hand aside. He tried to open the door, but it still wouldn't budge. It's locked, I said. Looking at me with surprise, I shrugged. I guess we can't get in, said Mr. O'Neatley with a chuckle. He, he and the frizz looked at each other, and then I saw him wink. They knew it would be locked. They were up to something. There must be a way, I said to Andrew. I began feeling the edges of the door. He got down on his knees and looked under the door. There's something there, he said. I got down next to him. It's a key, I said. But how do we get in, he asked. We looked at each other. That's when I remembered there was still one riddle left. We looked at the last question on our scavenger hunt. Final scavenger hunt task. You are almost done. 
but you have come to a closed door. If you could use your magnetic logic, you'll find pizza, soda, and more. We need a magnet, we said at the same time. Anyone have a magnet, I asked, the crowd of kids behind us. Someone passed a bar magnet forward. I gently slid the magnet under the door and felt a ping as the key stuck to it. I pulled out the magnet and held it up to Andrew. He removed the key from the magnet. It fit right into the door lock, and together we pushed the door open and stepped into the lab. The tables were covered with hot pizzas. I guess it's a tie, said Andrew with a smile. I smiled back. We just have to have a joint pizza party, said Mr. Neatly. Andrew and I shook our heads, and behind us, both classes cheered. We finally won something, well, tied, and it would be even more fun to eat pizza with Mr. O'Neatley's class. Hey. Hey, what's that on the refrigerator? Miss Frizzle asked Mr. O'Neatley. Oh, just some bus toy I found on the floor, said Mr. O'Neatley. He looked embarrassed. I was going to put it in the lost and found, he said, heading toward the miniature school bus. Actually, that's mine, said Miss Frizzle. She plucked the tiny bus off the refrigerator door and gave Mr. O'Neatley a big smile. Thank you so much for finding it for me. I know I can always trust you to tidy up. Mr. O'Neatley looked very proud. The end.